Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's May Chexic Discussion Group Call for Tactical Sovereignty. Uh, this is Easter, and uh, that always brings up interesting topics and things like that, and uh David's here with us this evening, and actually we were just uh, chit-chatting about that, and he's uh, getting to talking about Rome, which is one of my favorite topics as well, because I kind of think that everything is just kind of transferred over here from there, in my viewpoint. But anyway, David, I'll just let you pick up where you left off at there. Oh, we were just chatting. Is there someone else? I see there's three of us, it looks like. Yeah, yeah I like, you know, don't expect an Easter holiday or any kind of holiday to be a slow, you know, Long time for doing type of um, presentations or meetings. Yeah, that's no big deal. That's why I was just kind of doing an open discussion tonight anyway. Uh, normally, I come, you know, 20 after or half past, you see a fuller board, but that's one of the purposes for recording it so people can listen to it when they have an opportunity in the future. So, anyway. Well, if they're going to listen to this, one of the things I was going to ask you is that I just came onto your website. Um, Tactical Sovereignty, and I noticed there's some new guy in here, uh, Alexander Scooter Tramp. And, you know, I don't tell you what to do about running your website, but I get rid of this guy. He's just belligerent. And Yeah, I haven't had any interactions with him yet or anything like that. I'm not really keen on info he's sharing, but anyway. Well, I'm just, yeah, I mean... You know, I, I just the, the 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 graphics that he's put in here so far, it's like you know, this is just not necessary. This form eighty three hundred that he's put up here, and this group that he's talking about with Treasury Direct, <laughs> Treasury Direct accounts are nothing in relationship to birth certificates or bonding or whatever. Treasury Direct accounts are specifically set up to be able to trade United States securities and bonds on the internet without having to use physical paper. And so this has, I, I, this is like such a waste of time. I, it just means nothing. I'm, you know, the, the links he's put in here on this form 8300, this is nothing. This is where people and companies that are trading in government bonds can just go do it online and they don't have to go through. That's why it's direct. That's why it's called Treasury Direct. It has nothing to do with anything. So I see he started an entire Facebook group on it, but th this is just, a, it's a waste of time, more waste for people to get into trouble. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, probably just another another dragnet. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's all. Well, well, I went to the Facebook page and it just said, what does it say? Something about, you know, everybody, you know, have this done within nine days or something. It's like, it, it's just meaningless. Um, yeah, I think, anyway, back. I think, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, I think a lot of people stumble across stuff with, you know, like say Treasury Direct or whatever. And especially with um, the real big hype the past couple of years with, with people getting into it and, and it's new to them. You know what I mean? And so 
Yeah, they think it's something secret. Whatever, you know, but anyway, so they get excited about it, and then finally they learn what's going on, or uh, they get they get slapped back, you know, for not using it for its intended purpose. But anyway, so, yeah, go ahead. Well, the government's just going to take the paperwork and throw it in the trash can. I mean, it's like, you know, unless they decide to take somebody down. And I, I've seen this stuff. I saw this Treasury Direct crap, you know, 18 years ago. It doesn't mean anything. And I had a friend of mine call me from uh, Canada. He's up in Calgary, and he, he's a banker. And he's one of the people that I had talk to and get information from about what's going on in Europe and, you know, different things. And he wanted to ask me some questions about DTC because uh, some guy named Pastor Rodney, Rodney, Tony, Tony King um, did some kind of thing out in Vegas two weeks ago on a Saturday where he's telling everybody to, you know, he charged for the seminar and now they're going to fill out their paperwork and do this. And they're going to be getting a black card from the government, but the, that will be $250 million. And he's, and he's, <laughs> he wanted to know what I thought about it. I'm like, I don't think anything about it. It's fraud. What are you talking about? This guy's just making money off people for nothing. There's not going to, there's no black card that they're going to send to anyone. I said, if I'd have been in a seminar, the first thing I would have said is, where's yours? I want to see it. Right. Yeah. I listened to one of Tony King's presentations several years ago. Listen, well, not the whole thing, listen, about 20 minutes of it or so. And one of the first things that struck me and, and also strikes me with a lot of other people who are peddling paperwork for 350 or $500 or whatever the case may be, where they're going to, you know, take care of all this stuff. You're going to get a card or whatever. You know, my question, aside from where's your card at, my, my question would be, you know, if then all these funds are now available to you, then why are you charging? Why do you need to charge? Exactly. Exactly. Why are you even doing the seminar? If I had 250 mil, you know, on a card like that, that he says if you run out of that, they'll recharge it for another one. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be in other countries working on doing projects. And, and it was like, we're, we're getting ready to set up another education system, hopefully in Ghana. We've been approached about it. We just sent a container of aid over there. And, um, but, you know, like last year, I met with the deputy minister of education from Liberia because we actually set up an NGO over there to do education in Liberia. And it's been there for four years now. We're running nine courses and we're working on going through the international channels that are necessary to get that, the, the courses accredited so that they transfer because some of those countries like Haiti and different ones, I mean, they don't actually have universities where your credits can transfer anywhere. And Liberia is one of the countries. And the whole uh, accreditation system educationally is, is basically works on international treaties and things again. Um, so I don't know, you're telling me that somebody's gonna just hand you a card for 250 mil. I agree with you, that was my first thing. Why would you even be doing the seminar? And the people who attend this, it's like, what are they, I mean, this, <laughs> so they're going to tell you that this is applicable to, well, like, I don't know, 200 million Americans, that they're just going to give everybody a black card that's worth 250 million? Still there? Oh, you left.
Where'd you go? Okay. You're back. Yes, sir. My internet dropped off, so I'm back on. Uh, yeah, so I disappeared. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, what I was saying was, uh, why would you even bother doing seminars? And, you know, why would the government just go ahead and tell them? I mean, it's like, we got, we're going to give everybody $250 million. There's 200 million adult, you know, Americans just send in your form and we'll send you a card. I mean, this kind of stuff is just nonsense. I mean, if it was real, everybody at the seminar would leave and just immediately go attack the streets of Las Vegas and start telling everybody to sign up for their card. Just kind of, I don't know. Where do people come up with this nonsense? I've been watching it for almost two decades now and it just, boggles my mind that, that people actually are gullible enough to believe that that, that that's going to happen yeah i agree totally and you know and if if that really was the way things work or whatever uh, i don't think that secret would ever be let out or you wouldn't have access to a government website that shows anything or you know what i mean so just the ability to access you know treasury direct and look through some of their stuff on there it's like okay well it's definitely no secret so i mean to me i look at it kind of the same way as you, know, you hear all the people talking about secret societies and then everybody brings up the masons well it's like wait a second uh if there's such a secret society how does everybody know about them you know so mm-hmm. yeah what they don't understand about the secret society is it has nothing to do with the society itself being it's being secret it's the secrets that they keep and if anybody knows anything about the 33 degrees and it, it all of that stuff every single religion all that stuff all every single bit of it goes back to alchemy every single religion has to find coal plenty of land the, the, and the number seven is prevalent because of the chakras the seven chakras seven candlesticks seven heavens seven churches seven oil lamps seven virgins you know, and they're putting it into the infinity world movie now um, because the comics uh, there's six infinity gems but the last one is the mind stone that was the last the top chakra is the mind stone the mind gem or whatever and that has to collapse but the one that they don't show um, in, in alchemic text is that the ego has to die and that's the seventh that's the seventh step so, you know, and they put it in the Bible, it's in Genesis, that he saw God and he built an altar to it and called the place Pineal and said, whatever. <clears throat> so, but I don't really get into this stuff much anymore. There's really not a whole lot of me to talk about it. I'm, it's like um, two nights ago, <laughs> I did this thing. I was watching this video that you had sent. What's that guy's name about the, the Pendragon families and all this? Oh, uh, Lawrence Gardner. Yeah. Yeah, that guy. 
So I'm like, well, okay, fine. So you're saying that the Christ character, Jesus Christ character, um, is actually just part of a royal bloodline, allegedly from this alleged guy named King David. And I'm like, okay, so then that just means he's an ordinary dude. Okay. And you're saying he was out of this bloodline, but he was, you know, David was, all those people, those kings were all called Messiahs. So now you're saying that this guy was one. Well, they crucified him. Or allegedly. I don't know. See, so, I, like I said, I don't get into these conversations much anymore because, you know, the last time I debated with a Greek translator, I just trounced him. Like, because I'm, I'm more like, uh, procedure, and I'm looking at procedure, looking at the language procedure, and I can pull it up on my computer right here real quick. I got a, um, a word search uh, program that's called the Complete Biblical Library. This thing is 39 volumes of all the Hebrew and all the Greek. Um, like the book of Matthew will be one book, and it's about as thick as, as any any book in Encyclopedia Britannica, like the letter M. It's going to be that thick. So if I click on this thing, and I can go do a, I can go click any word study I want to do. This is not tied to strong. There was 150 Greek translators that put this work together for the Church of God. It took years and years to do it. And so I can go through any word I want to go through in here. And I'll just give you, for instance, recently, not just in here, but in just in general, I was doing a Google um, a word search on the word Lucifer. Because I found where the pentagram comes from. It comes from Venus. It's the pentagram of Venus. If you just do a Google search and type in like, um, let, me go, let me go pull up the thing here. You, you hit that little uh, square where the three dots are. You have three dots, three dots, and three dots. And it gives you like Google Maps, YouTube, Play, and then go down. And it has the Google Translate tool. All right. If you type in the word Lucifer, and just hit auto detect, it's going to give you English. And it gives you the Eosphoros, uh, uh, which is the Greek. But if you do a if you do a right click on that word, there's five other words. There's six total words in the Greek that were translate into the English word Lucifer. And one of those is Aphrodite, which is Venus. And it's not the light bearer or the light bringer, it's the lightning bringer. If you look at all of the Shazam and Flash and all these comics or whatever. So this gets into whatever happened at the time of the flood that caused that whole thing and planetary discharges and so forth. We don't really know. I just know that, that when I was debating with these three translators, I'm like, so how do you take a, a word Lucifer, which was not even in the Hebrew? It was only ever appeared originally in the King James. It was never in any book before that. And now all of a sudden you have deified something that never actually existed. And if you go do a good Greek word search on it, it actually is the goddess Aphrodite. So my point with them is, is like you guys are all over the map. You don't have any proper translation procedure anywhere that you've ever followed. And uh, who was that guy you had on um, two or three weeks back? Uh, we were, you guys were talking about something about the Old Testament, and I brought up the fact that um, Jeremiah 8, verse 8 says, how can you say you have wisdom when the lying pen of the scribes is handled over falsely? You know what I'm talking about? Wayne, Wayne right, Steiger? Yeah. yeah, Wayne Steiger was on, yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and that's when I asked the translator way back in the year 2000. I said, well, when did you guys stop doing that? When did y'all stop handling the word falsely? 
know, if this was written 2,500 years ago, when did you stop doing it? And it's clear to go through, like I'm, I just pulled up this, um, I'll just give an example out of this. Uh, I mean, John, let's see, John 19, let me go back to John like four, like four, no, we'll go to John one, one. One forty one, one forty two, something like that. Right? Because there's two places in the New Testament in the, in the Bible that, were, that that translate Messiah as a transliteration. It's the Greek word Messias. It's only in the Book of John, John one and John four. I think it's four, uh, John four twenty five. Now it should have been transliterated because the word would have not been a word that would have been recognized in Greek anyway. Okay, here it is thirty one thirty one ninety three was the word Messias. So when you click on it, this doesn't relate to Strong's. They had their entire whole numbering system that was differently. And it says right in here, Messias is a Greek transliteration of the Hebrew word Messiah or Messiah for the root and is the root of the English word Messiah. Messias occurs only twice in the New Testament. Both the Septuagint and John use Christos, the anointed one, to translate Messiah. But see, that's a translation. It's a translation, not a transliteration. Well, if a word doesn't exist in another language, you have to transliterate the word that you're using. So that people can understand, you know, it's like I'm introducing a new concept. So when you look at the classical Greek, and it gives you the classical Greek uses. And what I did with this, I, I bought this set way back in 1998. And so when you're looking at the words, I want to know how it was used in the popular culture and a popular language. I don't give a crap how it was used in the Septuagint or the New Testament. Because if there's a contradiction in it, it means that they were wrong. If they were, if they were using it, the way that, are you still there? Hey, Brian. Brian, can I interrupt for a Hello. moment? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Uh, sure, what's up, Dave? Well, what's up, Mike? Yeah. Okay, here's what I'm going to say. I'll be quick. Uh, I can't hear you over the Internet. It's like it keeps popping up that there's an error. So I can't hear you over talk to you. It's like right. you're not trying to it. One of the problems people have sometimes, uh, especially if you're originally on like Facebook and connecting on the link that's there, uh, you want to open it up in another browser. Yeah, I I'm, want to suck I'm your dick. Are you bring it over I'm here? Going straight there. Can I suck oh, your yeah, dick? So you might want to try that. Hello. All right, David, uh, you're unmuted again. Oh, okay. Well, I was just going to read this to you because this is, like I said, this is a massive work that they did, but it says in the classical Greek, it says in the secular use, Christos describes such common everyday activities as rubbing the body with oil after a bath, smearing poison on the points of arrows, painting, whitewashing, and using cosmetics. In the secular literature, the word was anything but a pile of honor. Now, this is according to 150 Greek translators. That put this work together. And so when you go over to, let's say, look at, and that's the word um, Messiah or Messias, as it was in the Greek, but you go over to say Matthew 1, you go to say 13 or whatever. Uh, where are we going to find? 
situation i mean it all kind of makes sense if people just stop and think about it but I, you know i I, you know, I feel that and i think uh wayne steiger feels pretty much the same way is that a, a lot of what we've been given uh, as far as biblical scripture goes you know it, this really is not as ancient as people think it is uh, these are all new either translations or transliterations and <clears throat> it's not really actually the way everything exactly was. I mean, if it, like you brought up uh, the book of John, uh, that book reportedly what wasn't really starting to be um, put in a print until about 30 years after the time of Yeshua or Jesus. So it's like, wait a second. To me, if I was there at that time, I'll tell you what, I would have been taking copious notes and making my book as things were unfolding. Or at least as soon after it was over with, not 30 years later. I mean, how much are you going to remember from 30 years later? Well, I have a friend of mine. I mean, he's, you know, um, he's doing something different about forming a new state. He actually just got recognition from the U.S. government. He studied under me back in 2011. But he's a former uh, Oregon uh, state trooper. And I asked him about this kind of stuff. Because any, any, any investigator at all will tell you 
you get the witness's story right then. Right then, not later. Because within 24 hours, and this is the same way, you, you know, you can go to any seminar, you can go to any place, they'll tell you that within three days of going to a two-day event seminar, within three days, if you haven't been writing down and taking notes and continuing to study during that three-day period of time, 98% of what you heard will be gone. You will not remember it. So with this kind yeah, of stuff, it, it's just, it's, it's absolutely, and I don't believe, look, I don't believe any of this stuff about anything being written in the first century, period. I don't think anything was written until they did the Codex Vaticanus. Because, and, and, and have you ever studied anything like um, uh, when they actually changed the calendars and the time from, from this whole AD, BC thing? That yeah, I did happen. several years that, ago. Yeah, it didn't happen. Yeah. The whole AC, BC, DC, all that kind of stuff that didn't even happen until the fifth century. So everything that counted for time up until that point in time would be like the second year of the reign of so and so, and it was always based on. So they had to do tons and tons of extrapolation to try to even get approximate dates of anything, and they still don't know that they're accurate. Because your, your most accurate records are actually Rome and the Roman Caesars. The other people, the other, but, other I mean, you, you can't burn down temples and burn down people's libraries and come back and go, oh, we have accurate information now. I mean, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think one of the things that I, I found really peculiar was that uh, the whole shock and awe situation, which is actually <laughs> the name of another god, just the name of another god. But um, mm -hmm. when that situation occurred, one of the first things that happened, and there's soldiers that talk about it, is that they were backing up like, basically like Ryder and U-Haul trucks, uh, to the library, that was being built there and stealing shit. And it's like, wait a second, you know, everybody's like, oh, this is all about oil. They're after oil, and, and I kind of stopped and wondered, gee, is there other things that they're actually after? Uh, things that you know, since what we know that the, the library was actually burned, you know, that held everything. They made sure and got rid of that. And that was probably a Vatican or Jesuit action. But they're thinking, okay, is there some more tidbits of information and knowledge that we don't want to be let out, you know? And so it's one of the first things that happened over there is going and stealing things that possibly uh, Sudan, or I'm sorry, Saddam Hussein had gathered. Yeah, well, this is the whole thing about, you know, like I, when I talk about self-determination and I talk about, you know, doing what's has to be done, it's kind of like unraveling United States history or United States of America. If you go look at, uh, what's, uh, what's his name? Um, just, the guy wrote a book called The Framers Coup. Um, see, everybody wants to pretend that everybody came over here to America on some kind of freedom expedition. You can go, you can go look up on Wikipedia right now, indentured servitude in America. It'll tell you right there that the two-thirds of all white Europeans that came to the United States of America came as indentured servants. There's no freedom movement going on anywhere. This is what the nobility was doing to everybody. They were enslaving everyone, including their own people, because they were already enslaved. It was all under feudalism. The lords and the ladies owned the rest of the Brits. They were all British. Right. Slaves. 
And the only, yeah, well, and the only that reason goes... they did away with indentured the only reason they did away with indentured servitude was because it became cheaper to buy black African slaves from the King of Morocco. Right, and that goes back to taxes and and the whole argument over taxes because it wasn't the general populace that was upset over the taxes; it was the hierarchy of the towns. It was so-called founders; these were the people upset about it because they owned everything, including the people. Yeah. Well, if you look at the original land grants, like the grant of Virginia, you know, the Virginia, whatever they called it, the territory became called Virginia, but it was given to the Virginia Company. And it says right in there that the king freed them from taxation except for imports coming into it out of, out of British dominions. And, but he gave them the authority to set up the government for any colony that they established. So it was the nobility, which was, who were they? Well, they were just people that were bloodline related to the king. So they were all in it together, but the king freed the company from taxation. So the Virginia Company, Delaware Company, Massachusetts Bay Company, any of them companies, they were the ones that set up a house of burgesses to tax the colonists that they brought over. But they didn't tax them to begin with because they brought them over as indentured servants. It's, it's in the Ted Mace wrote extensively about this on the Virginia Company in his book, um, Gangs of America. And if people think that indentured servants, what is it about these people that want common law? Like, do you understand that under common law, slavery was perfectly fine? Well, not only that, once you were once you were indentured servant, if they beat you and killed you, like there were people that were beaten, like one slave you can or one indentured servant with the Virginia Company, you can read about what they did to it. The owner they beat him with a rake and killed it. Do you think they got punished for this? So this, this, these things that people think they want, it's like, look, you need to establish something new and just, you've been lied to by the biggest propaganda machine that's ever been created. That's what I realized back in 1999. I looked at Sherry, I said, is it possible we've been lied to about everything? And I mean everything. And the answer is yes. And like uh, today, earlier, I was watching, what's his name? Um, Jordan Maxwell was being interviewed on some YouTube channel. And it was a couple years back. And I've always liked him, except he doesn't quite get it about, you know, the foundings of America either and what it was all about. Um, but he, he makes the same comment that I've said for years, that all governments are religious in nature and all religions are governmental in nature because it's about mind control. Exactly what they put in the Matrix movie. They told everybody it's a prison for your mind. And that's where it starts. Yeah, that's something I've said for a long time. And, you know, actually, and people kind of, I think, know by now, if you go on DNB, uh, U.S. Inc. is actually listed as a religious organization. But that's one of the things I've said for a long time is, you know, what would you do really if you want to control a people? You have to see what they fear. And what do people fear the most? What does a man fear the most? You know, next, uh, you know, the frying pan upside the head from his wife, he, he fears his God. You know, so, okay, well, the government can just assume the role of God and move forward that way. And that's pretty much what they've done. Yeah, well, absolutely. And I have a lot of people. Have you ever watched a, there's a YouTube presentation called The Deception of Constantine? It's Sounds uh, familiar. It's, it, it's a, there's a guy, I think he's, I can't remember, he's out of Europe somewhere. And you have to listen to or watch whatever the translation is that goes on with this thing. 
um, the arch of Constantine that depicted the battle uh, where they claim that he saw the cross in the sky and all this nonsense. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, 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 it, and they claim, he said, that because of the cross or whatever, he had all of his soldiers paint a cross on their sword and all this. Well, if you go look at the, at the arch that was built to commemorate the battle, because um, there's a lot of things missing from that whole scenario now. The statue, the 90-foot-tall statue of, of Apollo that was behind this arch before it was built, and the chariot that was pulling uh, Constantine, he was just a basic emperor egomaniac. I mean, he just, you know. Um, but they went up, they wouldn't let anybody inspect this thing for like years and years and years because they were saying it was old and it couldn't be touched. Well, they finally allowed him to get a permit to do it and they brought in, um, you know, lifts like booms so they could get up there and look at things without touching anything. There's not one single shield that has a cross on it. There's nothing up there but pure Apollo, the whole thing, worship. And it was Constantine who set himself above Apollo. He, Apollo was his father. So when you look at the whole thing, it's like, it, 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 who, who created this thing? It was Eusebius or whatever that said this whole thing about the cross. And it's just stuff that never happened. And yet people will believe this religiously. Yeah, it, it's... It's been that way for years that people believe that Constantine, and it's all based on a fabricated lie. Well, I think that there are a lot of things in scripture that are truth. Um, I, I think it's really just been clouded with a lot of BS, for lack of a better term. And most of it is really not comprehending some of the concepts and the words being used. Um, you know, it's scripture mentioned, you know, it's for people with eyes to see and ears to hear. And to me, that's exactly right. And that means you've got to dig in and see what was really going on rather than what you're told is what's going on. Well, I like the one that says test all things. And I'm like, good, I'll start with the book. <laughs> Let's test that first. Well, you know, that's kind of funny that you brought that up because that that's one of Wayne Steiger's sayings is that, you know, he, he went to test it, and it didn't pass a background check. <laughs> yeah, it, it, well, it, it just doesn't. I mean, you can pick any story in there, because I don't think people disagree about principle. So I don't have a problem with any principle, I find, but those principles have been written everywhere. They've been written in the Egyptian Book of the Dead. They've been written in the Code of Hammurabi. Murder's never been a, a, a good thing in any society ever. Theft has never been a good thing. I mean... You know, even with the what they're now people are complaining about the Noahide laws or the Sharia law or whatever. Like this morning, I got a call from a gentleman in, in uh, UAE. He's in the United Arab Emirates and his dad owned a manufacturing facility over there. And, you know, he's wanting to come over here and visit with me and take a look at what, you know, we're trying to build as far as the uh, Dom is concerned and, and moving forward. So I get phone calls like this. But he asked me, he said, do you know anything about, um, you know, Sufi? And Sufi is the esoteric teachings of Islam. No, no different than the Bible, uh, the original. I've had a, I had a guy who was a Messianic uh, Hebrew teacher in Jerusalem who did a training session on us in 2000 with, with us or the group we had. And this was in 2002 on, uh, on the Hebrew Kabbalah. And he says that this is the real Kabbalah that was, you know, it was bastardized by the, what they call the mystery religions or whatever, which is not the true Kabbalah. And I'm just like, I look at this stuff now and I just take it all with a grain of salt. Because the principles are all 
if from one from one belief system to another belief system, the principles are all the same. But what I find wrong overall with, with everybody, with all of us, with humanity in general, and this is why self-determination and the law of nations and international law has become so important, um, not just with me and what I we've been doing and what I've been teaching. It's in the human rights treaties now. You know, what is it about Americans? They go, well, you got to get the U.S. out of the U.N. I'm like, the U.S. is a permanent member, but just the fact that they're a member means you're in the U.N. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're already in it. Your nation state's in it. You're a citizen. You're in it. And so when you look at what they do and what they sign and what they agree to, you can look at something like the Declaration on the Rights and Duties of Man. And in the preamble, it says that all men are born equal, are born equal in dignity and rights, and therefore should conduct themselves as brothers one to another. And of course, this is in '33 when this thing was signed and ratified. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. You guys said that men should all treat each other as brothers one to another, and yet every one of you signed this. You got it from the table, and you're all guilty before the ink got dry. Absolutely. Because you don't. Now, what people don't get about that, these are universal violations. This is where the elite, this is why they are in power and in control, is because of the violations of everybody else. It's the one thing that I do see in the Bible that has seemed to have proven itself more than anything as we came through the courts, went to the uh, Supreme Court, did the IRS suit there. I was just looking for the door out, as I told an agent back at that time, because they've never come at me, they've never... I have had agents show up and have conversations with me, but they've never, never been arrested, never been charged, never been raided, none of that. Um, 2006 was like the final test, though. I mean, we went to the Supreme Court against the IRS, and 21 of us did that. And, uh, but he, he, and this guy shows up at Kinko's, and I, I can laugh about it or chuckle now, but this guy was, he was Jason Bourne. I mean, I don't even know if he knows his own name. And I really liked him though. I mean, he sat down and he was friendly. He was part of my life. And I came and sat down. I didn't realize it until like 10 minutes later, he said something. And I was like, uh, I looked at Sherry and he's naked. You know, throw everything about us. I turn around and shake it at him. And, uh, and uh, you know, he says, Why did you want to take on 8,000 pounds really anyway? And I said, I didn't. I'm just trying to find the door out. And, um, so what it made me realize in going through that process when I said I was trying to find the door out, they knew that was true. I mean, I had already had moved to St. Kitts and had to come back. Um, and, you know, he says, well, they only send me in when there's no negotiations left. Well, since I've done the, the declarations of peace and reconciliation and everything that I did with the U.S. way back then, I've had no problem with it. He was right. There has been no negotiations. One way or the other, they were, he was putting an end to it. He was putting an end to my duality. He was putting an end to me being a U.S. citizen. Or it was like, look, you're going to make a choice. He didn't tell me that. I just knew by what he was saying. Um, but in the Bible, I would have to say, if anything I could say about this whole thing of um, the Declaration on Human Rights or the Rights and Duties of Man, the, the Universal Declaration on Human Rights, the International Code of Civil Political Rights. Um, this is where the rubber really meets the road about how we're treating each other and how we're treating this planet. And there's that little verse of scripture that says, what you bind on earth is bound in the heavens and what you loose on earth is loosed in the heavens. 
And that to me specifically relates to expatriation, repatriation. If you're not happy with what you're in, you got to get out of it. And you better get into something better or build something better, do something different. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's one of the reasons why I really started digging in and, and researching things. And, you know, I was fortunate that I was not in a position like most people that I encounter who they might be looking at prison time or different things like that. And that's why they really start looking so that, you know, they've kind of got blinders on uh, like a horse in a race does and it forcing them to only look in one direction. You know, I mean, I didn't have that going on. So I was able to basically just, you know, look at everything, get a good overview as to what was going on and how everything existed to try and find the solution. And uh, and that's why one of the reasons I, I came across you started listening to some of your interviews. And I noticed a couple of people in uh, chat were kind of pondering as to who you were. Uh, this is David Williams that's speaking with us. If people have a question, you can go and find David Williams interviews with like Sarah Westall or uh, just on his own uh, YouTube as well. But, you know, and so I, I started really looking at just the very basics, okay? You know, who and what has control? How do they have control? Well, you really only have control over uh, something that is in your jurisdiction or something that you've created, you know, and then you start getting into the layer of consent as well. And the problem, I think, with the majority of people is um, that, and a lot of people argue over tacit acquiescence, but they don't realize that that is an essential maximum of law. If you don't speak up, you're stuck. Yeah, I think there's mm -hmm. a saying among attorneys, that, uh, in fact, I think it might have been Abraham Lincoln that used it. It said, if, if it's not raised, it's laid, which means if you don't bring it up, then it just continues as being assumed as fact until it's brought up. And and I think that's important things for people to realize. And you know, and I have conversations with people who are so-called uh, quote-unquote constitutionalists, and I, I bring up like the Law of Nations and some of the principles in the Law of Nations with them, and they're like, "Oh, that has nothing to do with anything." And I'm like, "What are you talking about? The Law of Nations is what the Constitution you claim to love was based on." However, even at that, that Constitution was a founding document to create a company, period. And guess what? It's a company that rules over you, but you are not a member of, you're not an officer of that. <coughs> you, have, you have no position to be able to enforce any of that either. It's enforced on you, but you have no ability to do any enforcement on your own. And that, that basic principles are things that I think that people need to look into and really comprehend you know before they start grabbing some of these uh, patriot mottos or or whatever you want to call them you know and and running with a um a narrative that they really don't understand at all well the thing about the whether it's the declaration or anything it all the, the 13 states merging together it was the biggest corporate merger that ever occurred that's the bottom line I mean, from the Declaration to the Articles to the Constitution, it doesn't matter which one. I mean, the judge ruled on it, uh, or the marshal ruled on it in 1811, said that the United States of America will be admitted is a corporation. Matter of fact, it actually puts it in quotes, 
uppercase T, the whole thing. The United States of America is the name, the true name of the original brand corporation. Exactly what it says. Now, this is a man who lived back then. And people want to say, well, that ain't right. I'm like, oh, you're going to tell me that judge that went through all this didn't know what he was talking about? Seriously? This is the guy, he's the original chief justice. And all those guys, what you're talking about, they were the law nations. If you read Adam's autobiography, you can go read books on and read anything about George Washington. George Washington actually checked out a book in New York, checked out the law of nations, never returned it. <laughs> he had to be forgiven his fee for not returning the book to the New York library. These people were all reading the law of nations. It was the, I mean, as a matter of fact, Adams was told by his mentor, because back then you had to go through an apprenticeship to become an attorney to be invited into the ends of the court. And give me told him there's no such thing as a good lawyer that does not have a copy of a book of ethics and the law of nations on his desk. And so there's, for people to try to pretend otherwise, it just, they're just stuck. They're just, you know, for me, it's just like, you guys, you're always going to be, until people accept the truth, they're just always going to be stuck. They're never going to have a remedy. I just got off the phone with a guy earlier in, in San Diego, and he's going to be helping, you know, we're, we're launching a new website this week, get out of the Matrix Solutions Network, coming out at $37 a month, and I'm going to go deep into a lot of this historical stuff because when I did the first website, Matrix Solutions, I identified 13 rabbit holes in the system, but the false history is the worst. It is where everyone's false legal theories come from is that they think, and they think that somehow another 56 minutes, all them years ago, actually gave a crap about them. And I'm like, Adams didn't even like the common man because Adams was about the law and the common people were apt to do anything like take some guy off a boat and tar and feather him in the street with no trial or no nothing. They did not like the common man. George Mason, when they came down and they were talking about uh, whether or not they were going to give the public the right to vote. It's like, give the common man the right to vote? Are you kidding me? That's like giving a blind man a choice of colors. So where is it in people's minds that they all of a sudden think that these people did something for them? That's what was in my mind in 1999. Why would these people do something for me? Because everything I was seeing back in 1999 when we were going through courts and having all these problems was telling me every time I turn around, I'm trying to find some rights and I don't have any. Experience alone was telling me that. Every time I turn around, we filed four cases in federal courts. They all got kicked out for 12 federal 12B6 violations. Where the state of claim will tell which relief can be granted. But we found out later on that it wasn't that we didn't actually state a valid claim. We just put it where it couldn't be granted because they weren't going to. So the claim was valid. Yeah. But the, but the claim yeah, ended up being a tort. It's like I told the guy today. The claim ended up being a tort claim. That's what we did with the IRS in the Supreme Court in 2006. And I tell people over and over again, you can have Tort under their, even under their code, Title 28, it says tort is the exclusive remedy. Okay? That means the only remedy, exclusive, right? But if you can't get the, if the, if the tort means you've done something wrong, you've done something to distort, you've done something to twist, 
you know, like when, when we did the, the thing with the IRS, but we had decoded 28, what was it? We did 26 folios a piece uh, just to get all our records from the IRS. Well, you, when you file a tort claim, that means someone has to change. Either they have to change or you have to change. Well, there ain't no change that you can make because if they're not going to change, then that means you have to be filing that tort claim on the way out the door. Because they're not going to change. And believe me, you and I both know that, right? And they're not going to change. Well, absolutely not. There, there's no peace, but there's really no peaceful settlement of disputes with them. Well, the peaceful settlement is to get out. Yeah, and absolutely. So think, yeah, so what is it? Like, I'm on the line right now. That's the Manila Declaration on Peaceful Settlement. Uh, when was this one done? This, let me pull up this document, UN.org. Then, um, yeah, as long as you're pulling that up, I, I'll mention that again. That's one of the things as well. I mean, I tell people that they need to understand, like, law of agency. Um, and peaceful settlement of disputes is definitely something to research. Well, this is in, this was done in 82, um, November 15th. Um, it's the 68th plenary meeting of the, uh, the uh, General Assembly. And I can just do a control F. I'll just put in the word determination in here and see how many times it shows up. Well, there we go. Reaffirming the principle of equal rights and self-determination. Uh, stressing the need for all states to desist from any forcible action which deprives people's particular right to self-determination. Oh, David, your audio is getting really quiet again. Hopefully, it's not my internet cutting out again. No, no, no. Hold on a second. There you go. Okay. It could be me. I might have been pulling on the cord. It, it's interesting. Uh, yesterday, there was something I was Googling, and I'm trying to remember what I was looking up. But, gosh, I wish I could remember what it was. But what came up was a whole list of things talking about self-determination. And I didn't even use that word or any part of it in my search. And I was like, wow, this is amazing that it's pulling up self-determination. And so is there a lot of people really starting to check this out? Yeah, it's, it's the term is gaining, the term is gaining uh, popularity. But the problem with self-determination is people not understanding. I mean, they, they can read about it, but conceptualizing how to do it is a completely different thing. And they're not going to tell you. There's no book out there on how to do it. Uh, the only book out there on how to do it is to go look at what other people did that did it. And the yeah, you just died off again there. And, you know, I remember when I started looking at things and trying to look back to see what other people did. Uh, one of the first things that really popped up to me is, OK, well, when people came here to North America or what we know of as the United States of America now came over on the Mayflower. Which it's kind of funny because when I was researching that, you know, I I started asking people around. Well, maybe a third of them had any idea. 
Well, a lot of people pretty much all said England. Yeah. I referred to it as a compact and how the families were going to be treating each other. It's like, oh, wow. So they create a social compact amongst each other. Right now, everybody is existing in a situation where um, it, it's really tacit acquiescence. They're having a, a rule or a code enforced on them uh, basically because that they the people have not been united. They haven't been united. Well, they don't understand the difference between a pledge of life, fortune, and to build something and a pledge of allegiance to have a lead to war. They don't, know, they don't get it. And so when you look back at naturalization, you can go to what's a book, uh, book one, section 215 in the Law of Nations talks all about naturalization. And there are two principles of international law, one called use solely, which is of the soil, and the other one is use sanguine. Citizenship has always been that children follow the condition of their fathers and societies under natural law are to desire this. So if your father's condition was that of a slave, then you are a slave. And there's no record in history anywhere. I don't care whether the stories are true or not true. There's no way a black African slave who came here on a boat from Morocco told his children that they were free. There's no way some Israelite in Egypt, if that story is true, there's no way that they're sitting down there stomping out bricks with their feet for 200 years, but yet they're telling their children that they're born free. Children have always naturally followed the condition of their fathers, and that's the reason why the word natural born citizen is right in the law of nations. And, uh, and so when we're coming back and talking about this, the founders of the United States were building a state within a state because they already had the colonies. The colonists were all Brits, and 80% of the Brits were loyalists, and they were not upset with their king. Being a Brit back then, being a part of the British Empire, was the same way the Americans would puff up their chest today about being Americans. The, the sun never set on the British Empire, and even today, look at them. I mean... You know, so they're talking about natural nationalism is just a religion. But having a pledge of allegiance to something is not the same thing as pledging life fortune honor to build something. And that's what people don't understand when it comes to international law or when it comes to national law or any of it. And it's why international law ends up being the supreme law, as they have all signed treaties and agreed upon, including the US. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's really the crook of the matter. Um, I've got somebody with a raised hand here, David. Um, I'm going to bring him in, and he has a question. Uh, Let me figure out how to do this now. 353 area code. Yeah. Um, It's John... Matt Seos, uh, I, I don't know if I have him unmuted yet. I'm clicking on him, and uh, I think, John, I, I think you're in view only mode. 
don't you don't have a mic. Can he can you unmute himself? Uh not in the view only mode. Um, yeah, type your question into chat, John, and uh we'll try it that way. Yeah, the only thing I was mentioning a while ago is we're, we're, we're coming out of the web with a membership. I did the membership earlier, like in 2010, and I want to redo the whole thing. Um, the, the DVDs are dropping from $1,000 to $200 bucks for, for, for members, and I'm just going to pick up the pace at big time. I'm probably going to do two or three or four podcasts, uh, training sessions, teaching sessions for a week um, because I'm just seeing too much. It's, it's kind of like watching what was this um, – the news cycle now, like even on the the alternative media pages, has all been about this thing with Julian Assange. And the first one I listened to, the very first thing they said was that Ecuador violated international law by revoking his political asylum. And I'm like, no, they didn't. Political asylum is a grant. It's a privilege. It's not a right. They didn't have to grant him asylum to begin with. As a matter of fact, even back then, I remember when it happened, I was like very shocked that Ecuador even dared to buck the U.S. with that whole thing. Well, yeah, I remember saying that, and and you're right, it, it, because an offer also can be rescinded. I mean, that's just basic contract law. You know, we'll let you do it for a while, and if at some point we decide to pull it back, we will. And it, I really now looking back and see why probably Ecuador did it because what has resulted that they, they've gotten four and a half million dollars or whatever off from the U S and we, this gave them kind of a piece on the playing board. Well, but they didn't have to do it anyway. And I really kind of, I was really kind of shocked at the U S they retaliated against them back then. And I was, you know, but Britain, everybody has, has actually, everyone has kept the um, international law to a T. So I'm going to do a presentation specifically on asylum. And like right now, I've got 26 tabs. I'm pulling them up right at the moment. But the first tab that I have up here is this is an inter-American court of human rights. This is a 69-page document that was submitted to the Human Rights Court in San Jose, Costa Rica, on May 30th of 2018. This is... Ecuador putting in legal questions pertaining to asylum into the Human Rights Court to make sure that they did not make any errors whatsoever in them releasing their uh, grant of asylum over Assange. This is the link that Ecuador went to. And so you can go read the questions. This is an application for consultation. Uh, on the 18th of August of 2016, the Republic of Ecuador, uh, based on Article 64 in the American Convention and pursuant rules of 70-1 uh, and 70-2, uh, all the rules of procedure submitted an application for advisory opinion concerning the institution of asylum in its various forms and the legality of recognition as a human right of all persons in accordance with the principle of equality and non-discrimination. So from there, they have an entire list of questions that they put before the court. Now, this would be the same kind of court that would be analogous to the International Court of Justice at the Hague. And when you get down after about 67 pages of this thing, 
it gives you an entire list of all the jurists. I think I'm right. Let's see. Um, nope, that's not correct. Let me go back up and scroll around. Anyway, there are jurists that came to these meetings in San Jose, Costa Rica, from Europe, from all the other American states, including the U.S., on and on and on. I mean, they bent over backwards, Ecuador did, to make sure that they weren't doing anything incorrectly uh, or that was going to be perceived to be incorrect in relationship to the rest of the um, nation states uh, if they were to. So they put all these questions in here to get answers. Now, if we go from there, you can look at the UN declaration on this. This is Declaration on Territorial Asylum, and it says right in there, um, everyone has a right to seek and enjoy in other countries asylum from persecution. It says they have a right to seek it. It doesn't say they have a right to get it. Um, then it says asylum granted by a state in the exercise of its sovereignty to persons who invoke Article 14 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, including persons struggling against colonialism, shall be respected by all the other states. Well, they've done exactly that, including Britain. But in Article 2, it says where a state finds difficulty in granting or continuing to grant asylum, states individually or jointly through the United Nations <clears throat> shall consider in a spirit of international solidarity, solidarity appropriate measures to lighten the burden on that state. All right. So they put in a document, they got the court's opinions, they did all of this for an entire, like, two years before they ever took this move. And yet, as soon as, he, as soon as it happens, I see the alt-media coming out, lying, and saying that Ecuador has violated the international law. Well, they do that because they know that nobody's going to research international law. In fact, most people don't even know what international law is. And... That's really what everything is being run. Everything is being run under international law. People don't realize that. That's one of the first things that I discovered, you know, when I started really looking into stuff and trying to figure out what was going on. I was like, holy crap, everything is international, period. I mean, going back to, what was it, December 9th of uh, 19, <clears throat> was it 47, 48? <clears throat> uh, Congress agreed to turn over all offices, right down to the municipality, right down to your dog catcher, over to the UN. And you brought that up earlier, you know, people talking about, oh, U.S. needs to kick the UN out. People don't realize that, essentially, the U.S. is the UN. Bingo. How hard is that? <laughs> How hard is that to figure out? It's on U.S. It was on U.S. soil. They they gave up a sovereign grant to the U.N. so it's autonomous there, uh, on the on the soil that it sits on. Um, but they put it here. They put it. They put it in this. It, they, they did that for a reason, and the reason is because the League of Nations didn't work out. Their first attempt to it didn't work out. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I looked at also, just to put things in more simpler terms, is that who is it that doesn't pay rent? The one that doesn't pay rent is the landlord. And everybody complains that, 
oh, the UN hasn't paid anything for all the space, office space that they've used there in New York. Da, da, da. You know, that's one of the reasons why we need to kick them out. Hold on a second. Who doesn't pay rent? The landlord doesn't pay rent. Think about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, what you just said, though, the U.S. is the U.N. And all you have to do is go look at the, um, at the charter itself. Because the, the most significant thing in the United, States, the United Nations Charter is Article 24. And this relates to the Security Council. So when you're looking at the Security Council, um, the Security Council shall consist of You fade out again. Yeah, your audio is totally gone, David. Mm -hmm. uh, that's weird. All right. Now you're back. I'm back. I don't even understand yep. that. I mean, I, I've got, I've got, I've got 300, I got 300, I got 300 megabyte downloads going on here. I, I don't know what, I don't know what's causing the problem. It shouldn't be on my end. Yeah, I've had a couple people. Yeah, I've had a couple people message me saying that you're fading in and out. Really? Yeah, which I I realize that it's probably maybe a kink in the cord. For the headset, no, it I don't shouldn't know. be. Hmm. I don't know. I never have this. I use Zoom for my presentations. I don't use. I don't use this platform. Uh, and I right. never have a problem with. I never have a problem with Zoom. Yeah, it could be this platform then as well. Um. Okay. Well, here it is. It's in uh, Article Twenty Three that. Uh, China, France, Russia, the UK, and the US shall be permanent members of the Security Council. And I used to ask people all the time, like, you need to get the US, we need to get the US out of the UN. I'm like, you don't understand what the word permanent means? Absolutely. I'm like, as long as that as long as that organization exists, the United States will be a part of it. Unless the United States ceases to exist. Um, but they, they still don't really understand what goes on around the planet. And this is by contract and agreement. Article 24, in to order to ensure prompt and effective action by the United Nations, its members confer on the Security Council primary responsibility for the maintenance of international peace and security and agree that in carrying out its duties under this responsibility, the Security Council acts on their behalf. So no matter what goes on on this planet, these five countries have been given authority by all the rest of the nations to dictate what happens in terms of international peace, including when it says maintenance of international peace, defining what the word maintain means. And part of the word maintain apparently means, well, we'll just bomb into oblivion until they can't fight anymore and then we'll have peace. Right, they're going to enforce peace. And I think at the same time that a lot of people don't realize what peace really means when they talk about peace. Uh, because what you see over and over again with the actions that have been performed worldwide on international level is that peace really means, like you said, we're, we're going to bomb you into oblivion. 
until you agree to follow our dictates. When you follow our dictates, then we have peace. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, I, yeah. it's interesting because self-determination puts everybody into a different category. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Brian, can can I join in the conversation? Yeah. Sure, what's up? Okay. Because what you just said is, here's what they're doing. They're like forcing us to follow their system, not our system of, of honesty and getting along with one another, okay? They want everybody fight among ourselves, darn it. Yeah, but human beings have got to learn. Human beings have got to be the ones to learn to start laying a weapon down. Yeah, right. They're wanting to use that word. Is, is a well, I tell people all know. the time. I just did a presentation three weeks ago showing, um, actually I put a video, I'll probably put the video up. I mean, a lot of stuff we're going to come out with. We've already got over 100 presentations up on the new website, uh, Major Solutions Network. And... Um, one of the one of the presentations I just did, I put together some video clips. But one of the video clips I was showing was drop weapons, where these soldiers are going over there killing civilians, and then once they're dead, they go into get into the jeep and go get an AK-47 and plant that on them and say, "Well, they you know they, we shot them for a reason." That is nobody's right. fault, but the, but that's the guy, that's the the person that committed that murder. That's his fault. I don't care who paid him. I don't care who sent him. I don't care anything. People want to say things like, well, you know, he was following orders. I'm like, no. Well, go look at the Nuremberg trials and see where that gets you. You know, that was yeah, one of the things I, I, that really opened my eyes. Uh, a friend of mine down here, a Facebook friend down here in Sarasota, Florida, uh, I was watching a presentation uh, by him. And I think this was actually afforded over a WikiLeaks uh, dump. Uh, this was something that was brought forward by Julian Assange. And the, the, this kid, he, he was distraught. I mean, he was young. He thought he was serving his country. And they were, it was actually a clip of a helicopter from about a mile away firing on five or six individuals. One of them happened to be a journalist carrying a camera. And they're trying to say that he was carrying, you know, a weapon or a gun or something, you know. Oh, and, and then what? Right. And then when people came to pick up the bodies, locals came to pick up the bodies, you know, and take care of them in a humane manner, then they fired on them. Well, and unfortunately, they had young children inside uh, that vehicle. And this Facebook friend of mine, you know, grabbed one of the kids and. His officer said, you know, what are you doing? Don't worry about that shit. He said, this is what they get for bringing kids to a gunfight, you know, or bringing kids into a war zone. Well, the war zone was brought on them. And, you know, when I watched that, oh, my God. I mean, that, that just, it, yeah, it was like, disgusting. wait a second. Yeah, yeah totally disgusting. Yeah, and, but here's the thing. But this is where the profit is made at. This is all about profits. That's all they care about is making money. And right now, there's so much money being made in the game of war. I mean, that book called uh, War is a Racket, but it, it was named that for a reason, because it is. Yep. What were you saying, Mike? Medley Butler's who wrote it. 
Yep. Uh, I, I know his cousin. I talked to his cousin. He told me that it that it is really like that when you get to the top. You know, it's all about just overcoming somebody else and, and making profit off of that country. That's all it's about. Yeah, but the people at the very top, I mean, there's an intermediate level. I mean, it's like the ancient Chinese maxim that all people end up getting to go where they deserve. And that's the reason I got out, because I was like, I don't deserve this government. As a matter of fact, I'm looking around, I don't deserve any of them. Every single nation state on this planet right now is dealing in a nine-to-one fraud. And they're all have put their all, all nation states have put their societies into debt. So now that everybody's in debt and everybody's dealing in fraud, the entire planet is guilty. Well, you can't say that you're guilty and then turn around and expect that you're going to get some kind of justice. You know, it's like somebody trying to bring you and say, well, I'm going to sue them in equity. I'm like, yeah, not unless you got clean hands, you're not. You don't get into a court unless you got clean hands. And so the only way out of this is exactly what they put in the Matrix movie. It's the reason I called it Matrix Solutions. Because they said, if you want out of this illusion and this nightmare you're in, then you have to get out of it completely. Get into Zion. But um, the right of self-determination is the only separation from this stuff. It's the only thing that, that, that there's, no, there's no other way. You can't be in it and go keep complaining. I mean, their whole attitude is this. Once you get I, I, I hear what you're saying, but let me remind you of this, okay? Uh, I went to uh, Walmart last week because a friend needed some money, so I've sent him $25. And I mm. have got a driver's license and a passport, passport from Honduras, South America, okay? I'm saying that's where I live, right? All right, mm. I go to Walmart. And I show them my ID, and I've done that last year, and I put it. Everybody has taken that as ID, okay? But I did it this time, and Walmart, the lady there that I showed it to, my ID, it's on paper, okay? It's got a plastic housing that it sits in, but it's on paper, the picture and everything, mm -hmm. the content. She said, it's on paper. We cannot take any ID. It's on paper. It has to be on plastic, she said. But let me go check with the head lady here at Walmart. So she went. She was gone for five minutes. They called someplace and found out, you know, to come back and said, yep, we cannot take that as ID. It has to be on plastic, okay? Paper ID we can't take, all right? So I had to run back home and get my state ID that I've got, state-issued ID, and go back and use that because I could not send money or you know, use it for ID, and they will not let you do things now at Walmart like that without ID. So I did that, and then I had to go buy Lowe's and do some stuff, return some stuff. They needed ID there, and I had showed them that same ID the year before, and they said similar things, that it's on paper. We cannot take it. It's not... ID. So in other words, something has changed. I'm guessing maybe here in 2019 it's went into effect that we can't make our own ID is what they're trying. The system is trying to make it very difficult for us to be able to be out here on our own and navigating. That's my point, okay? So we're going to have to create our own ID on plastic, I guess, is, is the key, you know? Have you heard about that, you guys? 
Oh our yeah, absolutely. Our, my, my stuff is our, you know, our stuff that we did when I when I redesigned our passports and did everything. I mean, our stuff is, you know, our, our international driver's licenses are all are all plastic. You know, and I okay. use travel. I, I mean, you know, but I mean, I'm no longer a U.S. citizen. That's all gone. I got those. I mean, I've completely renounced everything. And uh, okay. And, that's when the courts actually back in 2006, I mean, they started responding to me uh, because I took an ambassador appointment <clears throat> with a micronation. <clears throat> Sorry, hold on. And um, no, like I, I even got into a debate, what was it, two weeks ago, three weeks ago with a guy who was saying that there were different rules for micronations. And I'm like, no, there's not. You still have to follow the law of nations and you have to follow the treaties, just like it doesn't matter if it's five people or five million or five billion, it doesn't matter. So there is a there is a, a a global system that's being built. There's no doubt about that. But I look at self determination and I look at being a U.S. citizen the same way I look at when I turned 18 and my dad said, you know, you're you're a grown man now. According to the law, you can you know you, you can move out on your own do whatever you need to do. But as long as you stay in my house, you're gonna follow my rules. If you don't like my house, you go go get your own house, and then you can have your own rules. And that's that's the essence of self-determination in international law, getting out of one system and getting into something else. And uh, and it you know having dual identity, dual identities and stuff like that are not even really acknowledged in international law. The first thing it says in in the treaties on nationalization is once you go through the nationalization process before the competent authorities of another jurisdiction, you lose the nationality of origin. So. That ID you got from Honduras, I wouldn't be using it with police officer or whatever, because if they run you and find you got state ID, they'll consider that a crime. Okay. Yeah, the, problem my, my, at, my, the problem is they're looking at you that as again. a U.S. citizen, which holds different rules. Right. I, I get that. You know, even though I don't have a driver's <clears throat> license, I've just got state ID, and that equals your U.S. citizen, doesn't it, no matter what? Well, state ID is no different. If you look at your uh, state ID, okay, uh, take, a, take a look at the state ID. Look at the number on it. If you go to get a driver's license, guess what? The number on your driver's license is going to be the same exact number that's on that uh, state ID. Okay. Yeah. It's all one seamless system now. Back in 99, I thought I got a passport without a social security number. I was wrong. They gave me the passport, even though I filled out the form and said I didn't have one. They did a, they would, they did a, I don't know what they did. They did a facial profile on me, whatever. I just know that a couple of years later, I got pulled over, pulled out that passport. I didn't have the driver's license. And the guy was like, they ran me. They, they, they got my, they got the driver's license number and everything. So they're, I'm not saying that, I'm, that things that, one of the things that has happened, honestly, and that's what you said about it being harder today, it is harder in some ways, it's easier in others. They are very big on peaceful settlement when it comes to doing self-determination. And I've seen miraculous things happen, like in the Australian court with one of the people I was dealing with there, uh, she put in self-determination and the judges, like Australia had been after her for five years they wanted her property and they were going to end up taking it. I know they were going to end up taking it. They were going to use eminent domain to take it. Once she mentioned self-determination in the courtroom, and this was in February of 2015, 
the judges, everything changed for her. They unraveled that case for five years, going all the way back. And the barristers for the for the Camden Council, which is the ones that were giving her such a problem about her land, the barrister got upset with the judge. He's like, we're in here for contempt issues. We're not in here. Uh, she filed an appeal because they convicted her for civil contempt. And she, he said, this is not about the land. This is not about, he said, this is about the contempt. But because she had mentioned self-determination, that one of the judges is a three-judge panel. He's look, he's, he looked at that attorney, that barrister, and he said, you go tell your client that this ends today. There will be no more appeals. There will be nothing. We're done. So I've seen the power of self-determination in the courtrooms. I mean, just the, just just even in that case, the mere mention of it. Now, they knew she was talking to me. It was no different than what happened with Dario Bush uh, back in 2010. Um, Dario was a Bolivian national. He got charged with uh, three counts of dealing methamphetamine out of his house. And he was looking at 30, 60 years in prison. And somehow or another, he found me, and I got into a conversation with him. And he told me his whole story about being arrested and being charged. And I finally, I just said, well, let me stop you there, because if you're a U.S. citizen, I can't help you. I said, you're going to jail. I said, believe me, you're going to prison. And he finally said, I'm not a U.S. citizen. I'm a Bolivian national. I said, well, I can show your embassy how to help you. And I ended up going to the embassy in D.C. and sitting down with the legal attache and teaching him a little bit about U.S. court procedures because they didn't know anything. Um, the system is going to be global. I mean, whatever people thinking about this and thinking about national identities and stuff, they can forget it. The system is going global. And so yeah, right. The passport, all that stuff's not going to do you any good if it comes from the state, is it? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the nation states are going to be acknowledged. You know, and and. Um, even now, I know that the U.S. and European countries are pushing other smaller countries to make changes in their passports and their identifications. So, but going back to what I was talking about, every because of the here's the thing about the people at the top, they don't need money. The bankers, the, the people at the top, the 13 families, the Rothschilds, what do they need money for? They print money for every country around. They don't need money. This is about control. This is about power and control. And they are going to control people one way or the other. People are going to either govern themselves and control themselves, or they're going to be governed. And there's no in-between. And when it comes to looking at a country like, say, the U.S. or Britain or anything, they just look... They don't look at the citizenry as individuals. They look at it as one big mass. That's what the masses are. And so if you're a citizen, you're just going to be treated like any other citizen. I know people like to think they're special, but that's not the way it works. Not, not, in, not, in, the, not in the international world. So, well, it was even... That was even referenced in, what was it, Judge Scott uh, decisions, that no man is an island. Exactly. And they said the verbatim minutes of the UN were, were in Truman's speech that men have learned long ago um, that they cannot live unto themselves. And for lasting peace and security, men of goodwill must unite and organize. 
But even then, if you look at what they say about self-government, well, who was it? Uh, Theodore Roosevelt said it at the Jamestown Exposition in 1907. Men can never escape being governed. They either must govern themselves or they must submit to being governed by others. And if from lawlessness, fickleness, folly, or self-indulgence, they refuse to govern themselves, then most assuredly in the end, they will be governed from the outside. Well, David, I want to go back also what you were referencing, Dom. And one of the things that really cracks me up is the main bill that people use in the U.S. and whatever things based on is the $100 bill. And if people go on the $100 bill and really look and see what's printed there, it, it's it's got the Declaration of Independence printed on there, and it's telling you right there, if you have a problem with what's going on, guess what you need to do? It doesn't say vote harder or vote for somebody else. No, it, it, it says you need to separate and create a new. Go to your own. Really? Hang on a second. I'm pulling up one. I'm looking at one right now. Hold on a second. You're talking about the new one, right? Yeah. Uh, Paul, a brand new $100 bill. Paul uh, should need a magnifying glass. Actually, what I did is I went online and I looked up what is really printed on the $100 bill. And it says right there, it says that if man, and it's from the Declaration of Independence, if man feels like he's not being represented correctly, he is supposed to create a new. Uh, yeah, they put it in the other declarations as well, like the, let's see, the original Declaration of Maryland. Uh, we got the Avalon Project real quick. Yeah, yeah Avalon Project is excellent. Yeah, 1776, and it says in here in Article 4, um, uh, we hereby declare, and it goes down to Article 4, that all persons invested with the legislative and executive powers of government are trustees of the public and as such accountable for their conduct. Wherefore, whenever the ends of government are perverted and the public liberty is manifestly endangered and all other means of redress are ineffectual, the people may or right ought to reform the old or establish a new system, new government. The doctor and yeah. So the point about it is, is that, but you can't, you know, if you look at the law of nations, when it talks about uniting up under another form, you can't regenerate something that's already been done. That's like if, if well, I could regenerate what's already been done, I'd just go start up Prussia again and tell everybody to get off my land. Well, David, here's so, the thing is that I, I see all these constitutionalists or whatever, they think they're going to go in somehow get into the system and change things. You're not going to get into the system and change things. That's not the way it works. And it tells you right there on the $100 bill what you need to do. And essentially that's what you've done yourself through DOM. Well, first and foremost, I wouldn't want to, I mean, to take on the responsibility of changing, uh, I mean, trying to change the United States is like turning, trying to turn a Dexon Valdez around the middle of Main Street. I mean, come on, seriously? This thing's too big anymore. 51%, 52% of people are on some form of government welfare. You think they're going to get off? That's never going to happen. And as it says in the law of nations, none but the majority of the nation can change those at the helm. Well, the majority here don't care. And have you seen uh, Captain Austin Fitz video she does on the red button experiment? Yeah, Catherine's awesome. Yeah. 
she's basically saying, okay, let's just say that you want to get rid of drugs in your neighborhood or in your state, the whole United States, the whole whatever. You want to get rid of drugs. Now, there's a trillion dollars a year that's being laundered in the economy. So that means you're going to remove a trillion dollars a year out of the economy. So what's going to happen? Your government checks are going to get cut. Wall Street's going to crash. Your 401ks are going down, all that kind of stuff. And she pulls out that thing and she's got that red button there. She said, now, and, and, and they're all talking about it. It's a, some sort of religious group where she's doing this speech. And um, she said, now, here's your, here's your thing. You're, you're going to eliminate all your drug problems. Your kids are no longer going to be on drugs. And they're going to have all these mental problems from the drug problems and everything that go on related to that. But you're going to remove a, million, a trillion dollars out of the economy. How many people will volunteer to come up here and push the red button? And nobody would. One in a hundred raised their hand. And it's as I tell people, well, they raised their hand because that's just a simulation. And she even asked them, why would you not push the button? It's like, well, we don't want to lose our government checks. So what do you what are you supposed to do with what do you, what, what are you supposed to do with that? You can't change a hundred people. I, can, I mean, it's hard enough changing yourself, but get, get, so they, they don't want to change. They're not going to change. That, that's one of the things that, David, that's one of the things that I bring up as well. And a lot of people call it cognitive dissonance, you know, because they're, they're stuck in this reality or whatever. But if you really go and look at what the system refers to it as, they refer to it as consensus reality. It might not be the actual truth, but they've convinced everybody this is the truth. And so everybody yeah. goes along to get along. We yeah. call consensus reality. Yeah. Yeah, there's another there's other books that are written on it. Um, but, but who wrote those? There's a guy that wrote the book Simulation and Simulacra. And this goes back to what we were talking about with Easter and these religions or whatever. There's no more truth in any of that stuff than there is in anything else. It's just another way that they, you know, mind control. Now, I've had a lot of people just say, well, look at how Christianity took over the world. I'm like, Christianity was spread at the point of the sword. Once it became a state religion, if you didn't show up, the, the troops would show up at your house and threaten to kill you and your kids. Or they would just go ahead and kill you and your kids. So you do a couple of generations of that, I guarantee you one thing, all the kids are going to be at church. <laughs> That's what state religion meant. It was a, it was the law. It was a requirement, and that's how it spread. No matter what anybody else wants to say about it, I mean, I, you go look at history and just point and, and look at what they did with the inquisitions and all this other nonsense. I mean, you told the line and did what the, I mean the priesthood said, and you can even read about the interaction between, like I said, I mean Jordan Maxwell. I was listening to him earlier, and he does a really good job, you know, explaining how the two are intertwined. That nation states are religions, they become religious, people believe in it just like it is their God. Uh, if you look at the oath of allegiance to the United States of America, it actually says you can't have any other oath to anybody else, any foreign sovereign, no, anywhere. Um, yeah, but David, so it, it's everybody, little boys, David, when everybody's little boys and girls, we're all taught a certain thing called education, and people can't <coughs> seem to get away from that. They, you know, they just, it's like the first thing they're taught, they hang on to it forever. They're not willing to change. 
It's just because they can't Everybody that what they've been taught is the hundred percent truth, and they're not willing to look and find out what the actual truth is. So they just sit on their butt, you know, and do nothing, kind of, okay? Because they think they're so correct. Well, Mike, Mike, I think people need to learn to substitute the word education for the word indoctrination. Yeah, right. Because it, it's not necessarily the truth. It's what we want you to perceive <laughs> as the truth. Well, it's kind of like I tell a lot of my friends. I mean, I have you know, a really good friend of mine out in California. He's a, he's a Christian. goes every Sunday. I'm sure they're doing thing this weekend. And he'll start talking to me. It's like, well, you, but you used to be in the church. I'm like, yeah, I went through it, and I got out of it. I said, because I started looking at the book, and I couldn't, I couldn't rationalize certain things. And I didn't tell him. I said, how do you rationalize this? I said, you tell me how these disciples or apostles were scared of the, of the Sanhedrin or the chief priests. Yet the women, they weren't scared at all. They just went tracing all down to the tomb with Roman guards standing there like it was nothing. And he said, well, that's a good point. I'm like, no, you said, you don't, I said, you don't understand. You know what soldiers do to conquered women? They rape them. To find me any war where women didn't get raped. Find me any occupying force where women didn't get raped. Okinawa complains about it today with the U.S. military. Mm -hmm. They want them off the island because they keep raping their little girls. I'm like, you don't think this wasn't happening 2,000 years ago? Why would they just march on down to some tomb to put spices on a body that, according to the book of Luke, Nicodemus and Joseph, and Joseph of Arimathea had already put 75 pounds of spices on? He said the whole story is ludicrous. Everywhere I turn, this, is, this makes no sense. And, and of course, it, it doesn't matter what I tell him. You think it's going to stop him from going? <laughs> you know, well, you need to talk to so-and-so because they can explain that to you. I'm like, I don't need an explanation, buddy. I know with David, see, you're starting, you know, you're te testing the system and you're checking things out. And a lot of people don't go that far. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I do know. This is why this is why any kind of movement, any kind of self-determination movement, especially if it's a peaceful one, is it's something that it's just not going to ever be big. And I've realized that a long time ago. It's just never going to be well, big. Well, you know what, David? Uh, after you came on this call, I think the first time, uh, what was it, like in December or something like that, on January 2nd, my house burned. Right. I I lost my fur babies. I'm I'm still at a hotel. And uh, what happened to you shortly after that, or at about the same time? Yeah, I burned my arm in a kitchen fire. Yeah. So I mean, it was my, it was my fault. I mean, I I did it to myself, but man, that thing was painful. I'm telling you. Um, but it's all it's all well. I mean, I got not scar, but it's all better now. This isn't uh, yeah. necessarily this isn't necessarily a topic that the powers that be or whoever uh, really appreciate. <laughs> hey, well, no, I don't think they care. And the reason I don't think they care is that they're the ones that put self determination out. They're the ones that put an end to UN charter. 
I really believe that if you look at any of the movies, like um, I can, I was just thinking about self-determination uh, in the sense of uh, it's an individual choice. And that's why somebody cannot do it for someone else. And uh, so it's a, it's a highly, highly political choice. And they put that in the second Transformer movie when they wake up this Decepticon guy and you got the Decepticons in the Autobots. And this Decepticon is like, he's come to life after all these hundreds of years. And they're like, but you're a Decepticon. He's like, I change sides. You know, he said, they're always about war here, destroy this. He said, I change sides to the Autobots. And one of the other ones says, you mean you can do that? He said, it's an individual choice. It's a highly individual choice. I'm like, they just keep putting it in everybody's face. They yeah, don't people, don't, people don't realize that. Actually, I wish I had known that you're going to be with us tonight, uh, David, because I would have advertised it. We would have had 50 or 100 oh, people well. here instead of 20 or 30, but that's yeah, all right. That's the good thing is, is people, the good thing people, is that people must listen next week. You know? Yeah. You can download the call. That's the good thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, 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 it was Easter weekend. You know, I don't celebrate Easter. You know what? But you know what the problem with holidays is for those that don't celebrate them? Everybody else is busy. You can't get in touch with nobody. <laughs> it's like you, you, you have to take time off anyway because you're just forced to. Yeah, or you go to the grocery store and it's closed. It, it was actually funny today. I, I went and uh, got gas at a store. And I, I looked at, and I'll say the name was Culver's, was the name of the restaurant next door. And they had all these uh, Easter eggs and bunnies and stuff, symbols in their windows and things like that. And I was watching, people were going up to go in, and the door was locked. They were closed for Easter. Uh, that's funny. They're advertising Easter for how many weeks now? But they're closed. <laughs> right. Well, I run across the same thing. You know that that the Vatican Church is who's behind, you know, Easter, right? And so, the, you know, like the gas company, Friday, it had the whole day. They closed for Easter. You know, I, you've never heard of anything doing that in a way. It, it, that is, is showing how powerful the Vatican Church is. And, they, you know, like say a, a, a baseball game is scheduled, they won't have it, you know. Easter is this thing where they have to take it off and recognize it, don't they? Well, this is a, here's a viewpoint that I have, and David, uh, I don't know uh, what you think regarding this, but my viewpoint is that, you know, a lot of people want to point at the Vatican, uh, they point at the Pope, call him the Antichrist, this and that, and different things. Uh, the way I look at it is that whatever powers that be, whoever is really in control, whoever is um, really affecting what goes on in this world, they're not going to be in the limelight. They're not going to be seen. No. They're going to be in the back scenes somewhere, sitting back laughing while you're pointing at the city of London or Washington, D.C. or the Vatican, whatever the case may be. I just think the Vatican is a perfect example of, I, I just think, that, you know, there's a part of it where what's going on is, is twofold. It's a joke, like a cosmic joke. I've been told that actually once. 
um, by an agent, actually. And then, and this is the same guy that was mentioned that showed up. And the other part of it is it's a test. It's always a test. It's like watching the adjustment bureau. When he says, Harry, is this all just a test? Uh, they did the same thing. And I, and I actually do videos like this. I mean, one of the things that I've done the movie clips for is because it's like, I have people say, well, why do you think these movie clips are so important? I'm like, uh, because they have to give you notice somehow. They know you're not going to go read the damn Federal Registry. You're not going to go read the UN Charter series, the treaty series. You're not going to go read anything. I said, they got to give you some notice somehow. So they put these little messages in the movies everywhere. Um, and that the whole Matrix movie was specifically about right of self-determination because the key maker was called the exile. And self-determination used to be called the right of exile. Um, so when I look at this, what I was saying, a test, um, I, like Star Trek Next Generation is, is a very interesting because it starts uh, with um, the first episode starts with a being named Q and the last one episode ends with a being named Q. So after seven years, they did three Star Trek series, uh, Next Generation, Voyager, and Deep Space Nine. Every single one of them ran seven years. Don't you find that interesting? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm glad you brought up uh, the situation with disclosure because that's one of the things that kind of grinds my gears is I hear people saying, oh, well, we haven't had full disclosure. And you brought up the Federal Register. Well, you know what? Where are you going to go to find out what's going on in a business? Go to the cash register. You know what I mean? Go to yeah. the Federal Register. That's where it's at. You know, <clears throat> I, I worked on an island up by Canada for a few years. And one of the things that I noticed was that the employees that kept returning every year that were the same employees were the people that had their hands in the cash register. All the other employees, they were all different people every year. But the same employees were the people with their hands in the cash register. And it's like, you mm-hmm. got to go to the register. And yeah. so everything that's been done and has been put out, has been put into the Federal Register. Um, I posted something a year or two ago where I, I think it was a commissioner in Tampa, Florida, said they were talking about plans on a canal. And he said, oh, well, I put this in the register, in the Federal Register, and nobody's made a complaint, so we're moving forward. And I uh, went and copy-pasted and put that on Facebook, and people were commenting, going, why are you printing this? What does this mean? What's, what's this about? And I'm thinking, really? Are you that clueless? They are giving you notice. And notice has been given. Just people don't go to the register to find out what has been uh, promoted and said is going to happen. But though they turn around and say, well, we don't have full disclosure. Well, you haven't looked. It's right there for you. Yeah, on the DVD series, and when I had the website up back in, yeah, it, was, it was up from 2010 to 2014, and I archived that. It's 20 discs, but now we, you know, we have a whole cloud. And I've done a bunch of presentations and teaching sessions. People who have purchased the DVDs uh, were paying me extra. Uh, I was doing uh, Sunday night conferences uh, every other week. And uh, man, I put out a lot of material on those conferences. Um, and um, so, but now I'm just like, you know, businesses, you know, I got the merchant services company and stuff. And, and I'm just, 
I think I'm frustrated more than anything. I'm frustrated with the alternative media. I'm sick. And, I mean, these guys, they just put out any lie and they never do a retraction. And, and yet they want to talk about the deep state all the time, the deep state, the deep state, this, the deep state, that, and the controlled media. And I'm like, but if the deep state's promoting lies and the controlled media's promoting lies and you're promoting lies, what's the difference? Well, they have no clue what the deep state even is. They've never even cracked a book and read anything <clears throat> Quigley even talked about. This girl Quigley laid it out how the deep state was going to operate. Well, when they want to talk about the deep state, I'm like, the U.S. is the deep state. They won't leave anybody alone. What are you talking about? There's a really good uh, guy that I found recently on um, he, he has a YouTube broadcast. He's got like, something like 540,000 followers or something. He's a comedian out of Chicago. Uh, what is this guy's name? Let me see if I can find him. I should let him up. <coughs> and he's actually, uh, what is his name here? Um, uh, the Jimmy Dore, D-O-R-E. And he's showing people like Trump just vetoed this thing about discontinuing what they're doing in Yemen. And you got all these people thinking that Trump is like their hero. He's like the guy that's anti-system, the guy that's anti-whatever. And it's like, no, he's not. He's the same. You know, he's put sanctions on Venezuela. And the Venezuelans are like, would you just leave us alone? Oh, my gosh. Don't get me into Venezuela. You know, I'll tell you what. You know, a lot of people love the Constitution of the United States of America. I'll tell you what. Go look at the Constitution of Venezuela. That's the Constitution, really, that should be used. I mean, I'll tell you what. That, that puts serious sanctions, really, on the state itself. Because what, what the basic premise of the Constitution of Venezuela says is that um, it, all of the resources should go to the people and benefits of the resources should go to the people in Venezuela, not to the big companies. And that's really what's wanting to be done, and that's what they've been working on for 20-some years now, is the big oil companies coming in and trying to freaking pull the resources from Venezuela, give nothing back to the people there, and then turn around and demonize the leaders who say that that freaking finances should go back to the people. That just blows my mind. Boy, and they, um, there's a documentary on Venezuela that was just done by what has, it's something called Empire Files. She has a YouTube channel as well. Let me find out what her name is. Abby. Her name is Abby. She's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and she does a great, great job with that Venezuelan documentary. She even has the UN guy on there stating that there are no problems down there. And I went in and watched it, and I'm looking at the YouTube uh, forum. I'm looking down below just to see if I can see a few comments. And there's all these American people saying things like, well, our son shouldn't have to go down there. And I'm like, well, then why is your president threatening to send them? You know, why, yeah, is, he, absolutely. why, why is he? I mean, the Venezuelan people have not asked for your asses to go down there. Leave them the hell alone. Well, so you know what? What? <laughs> you know what Venezuela did ask? In this last election, Venezuela did ask the U.S. to come down and monitor the elections. And they asked the U.N. to come down and monitor the elections. 
You know what happened? The U.S. wouldn't do it. They wouldn't come down. But though they're going to turn around and they're going to say that this dude named uh, Juan is supposed to be the, the real president. When guess what? Juan didn't even run for president. He didn't even run in the last elections. And that's, and that's the rest of the world is actually like, there's no African nations. There's nobody, only the European, only the European countries are listening to the U.S. about, you know, getting Maduro out of there because he's a duly elected president. And Absolutely. Go ahead. Well, Juan, Juan was before uh, the U.N., I think it was about three weeks ago. And the U.N. was questioning Juan over the situation. And they said to him, they said, dude, you weren't elected. You didn't even run. Uh, how can you claim to hold any position? So the, even the U.N. doesn't acknowledge uh, Juan as being the president there. Well, unfortunately, I think a lot of this is being set up. You know, V for Vendetta, if you look at the opening of that movie, he said, you know, so I, I hear today in the former United States, um, I think I think Trump is going to end up being a takedown for these guys. I really do. Um, or for the, for, the, for the nation, for the, for the U.S. I mean, it's just, it's coming. Um, I was recently watching, um, I see that Mike left us. We're probably getting late. Um, the... Um, I was watching an episode of Deep Space Nine because I'm going through some shows, like I mentioned Q a while ago. And I was like, I thought about it because Q, you know, he's putting humanity on trial. And he does it in the first episode and the very last episode, seven years later. And, you know, Clark says, I certainly hope this is the last time I find myself here. He said, you don't get it, do you? The test never ends. Um, I think the United States is being weighed in the balance big time. I mean, uh, I looked at the Star Trek uh, Deep Space Nine episode where they went back and they got caught in some kind of transporter accident, went back in time. And this, this show was made in 1995. They ended up in 2024 in a sanctuary district in San Francisco. Sanctuary district. <laughs> so it's already being talked about before they started calling them sanctuary cities. Yeah, they brought up sanctuary then. Yeah, it's in a, it's in a TV show. And you know, um, I, so I, I, I want to say, I, I showed a video a while ago where it was a banker uh, talking about Trump. And you can probably look it up probably on Facebook and look up uh, Better Dead Than Alive. Mm-hmm. Probably, probably be keywords to use about um, this was a whole bunch of banks these were the IMF banks that said that you know what they thought Trump was better off to them financially alive than dead and so they took care of his debt at the 11th hour just before uh, he was getting ready to default on 9 billion dollars a chunk of it was his own personal debt well, guess what? Guess who owns him? So all these people thinking that he is their knight in shiny armor coming to save them? No, guess what? He works for the people that are against you. You don't realize that. Yeah, but here's the interesting thing about them. They don't see, when I said that they print all the money, I mean, they, 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 own, they own every nation state's currency. So, I have people say, well, look at these currency wars. I'm like, you mean they're fighting against themselves? They own every central bank 
what are you talking about? There is no war going on here. They're going to do whatever it is they're doing because they control the fines. And the nation states have all agreed to this. And the book that talks about it the most, if you haven't, did um, I say something to you ever about reading the Babylonian Woe? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you can find it online. There's a guy who actually reads it word for word, and it's about a 12, 12 video series YouTube presentation where he's just reading the Babylonian Woe word for word. So it's almost like an audio book. But this is the reason why Rothschild and these people said, give me the control of the nation's currency. I don't care who passes the laws. And they really mean that. I don't care what you people do. You owe us the debt. You owe us the, you, you, you do owe us. And so we're going to fund militaries and we're going to make sure things are controlled from the top. But whatever you idiots do to each other in your little nation states, we don't care. And, and it becomes so obvious when you read the Babylonian woe that they just don't care. It's like, y'all want to believe in and bunny rabbits and chicken eggs, go ahead. They really don't care. Oh, well, you know, that's actually funny. And like you said, it's getting late, so this is probably a good time to wrap this up. But yeah, right now, at this day, this Sunday, everybody mm -hmm. is worrying about their bunny rabbits and their eggs and their Easter stuff. And keeping them, you know, involved in the bread and circuses and not paying attention to what is really happening in this world today. Oh my God! Here we look. Somebody just posted on your website here on your Facebook page. Africans, the first Americans. Oh Lord! Oh, that's getting into that's getting into the whole the whole more thing. And you know, one of the things that I really think about when it comes to the whole situation with the Moors and uh, bringing Africans over to America and stuff. Uh, I, I really think that a lot of those people were already here. They just used the people that were already here. They, they enslaved them to work on their farms and stuff. I mean, with the ships and things from way back then, it would have been very difficult and treacherous. I mean, it, it was very difficult for the people from Norway to even get to the U.S. with the Speedway and the Mayflower. I mean, so... You know, to go over and grab Africans and bring them back here to be slaves, I think is a little bit preposterous. And there was actually a guy that uh, he went to Africa specifically to go into tribes and find information regarding this happening. Because I'll tell you what, if people came into your community and stole a bunch of people out of your community in the middle of the night, and threw them on ships and took them away. Wouldn't there be stories about it? Wouldn't there be folklore about it? And he went there asking these questions, and he could not find any tribes that had any information or any folklore or anything like that regarding this ever occurring. That's because they weren't doing what they were doing. When I said it, look, I had an interview with a guy, and you know, you're like, well, I interviewed with a guy named Humza Sid Catlett Bay, because they always call themselves Bays. And I'm like, yeah, that's where you get the word obey from. These people were slaves. <laughs> and he asked me, but he said one time, he said, well, don't you think that somebody owes us reparations for whatever? And I was like, um, let me tell you how that works. I was born a slave under the 14th Amendment here. I said, so everybody got enslaved that was born here. I said, but as far as you're concerned, I didn't enslave you. 
said, but the reason that those people got here, if that's the reason you're here, is because all the companies, the East India Company, they were traveling back and forth to Africa, and they paid the king of you're going to claim that you're Moroccan. Morocco has always had a king, it's a monarchy. I said, so they paid your king, and he's the one that sold your people into slavery. I said, so if you need any reparations, you go talk to your own king, because he got the money. Bingo, there you go. He couldn't believe I told him that. That's that's really funny, but that's so true. And all, because that's and how it works. And even under that, inter, even under international law, that's how it works. Of course. And and the and the other thing about that is that I don't know what they're complaining about. I mean, I I, I don't say that there's not disparities, but I just you know for me I don't have time for that nonsense. I'm trying to do something, and it just says nothing to do. I'm not, I'm not getting into these arguments with people. Um, I, I actually was talking to this gentleman today from the UAE, and he put his father on the phone, and his father made a comment. He made one comment, and as soon as he said it, I said, "Put your son back on the phone. I don't need to talk to you." And I'm sure that man was probably older than me, but I don't care because it's like I don't well, have time. It's not. I just thought I don't have time for this kind of conversation or nonsense. I don't care. I said, put your phone, send back on the phone, please. And so he did. David, David, here's my question: With all the people that claim they need reparations because their families, uh, two, three, four generations ago, were brought over here, um, how many people really from Africa today? Would love to come here. Well, my thing about the people that are talking this nonsense is like, why don't you go back over there? You got plenty of money now. Black African well, community, the Black African community in the United States actually is, if you looked at just the Black, I mean, I've got a guy who says it's 26 million. And somebody that I've been talking to, I mean, he, he's an airline pilot. He's talking about going on board. But I had to get that black African thing out of us. As long as you're racist like that, I'm not. I'm, you forget being on board with me. I'm not doing anything. So he's kind, of, he, he's kind of realizing now because he's been trying to talk to his own family. Nobody wants out. <laughs> wasn't it? Wasn't it like the ninth or tenth president of the U.S. that established a well when they were doing the colonizations down there in Africa? Wasn't it like the ninth or tenth president that established a nation for those people and said, here, you've got a nation now. Go back. No, I, I don't know, maybe. But one of the things I know is overall is that, um, hey, I, I, don't, so I don't like the monetary system, obviously, but if you just look at the monetary system by itself and look at the, like, quote, count it as wealth or whatever, the black African Americans today, if they were 26 million strong in their own nation state, would be the 14th richest in the world. And that, comes, and, and that includes all the ones on welfare, by the way. I got friends of mine today, they've been in Mexico, they've been in all kinds of places, and they'll they just look at anybody and go, You people have no food what it's like anywhere else. You don't have you don't even understand. He said any welfare recipient, I mean, Paul will tell you, any welfare recipient in the United States. Uh, is wealthy compared to what goes on in other countries. So, and if you accept a benefit, then you also hold liability. But, you know, to me, if you're born here, guess what? You're an American. I don't care if you want to claim to be more or whatever. You know what? 
that the, the Moroccan government doesn't even accept these people who claim to be Moors as being part of uh, their constituency, period. Uh, that's just the way it works. If you're born here, guess what? You're an American. So guess what? Us Americans need to come back together and decide on your own basis. It, this is about your own self-determination. Are you going to rule yourself or are you going to be ruled? That's all it comes down to. Yeah, and but the thing about it is, is that they Americans by themselves because they they were not party to the original land grants. They don't have the right. Citizenry does not have the right. The, the nobility. If you go back and look at those, they never gave up anything. I mean, they never gave up anything. So you know, to try to I don't, I don't even even pretend with it. I mean, it's, you know, once once we got to where we were understanding international law and understanding how um, Britain had basically set everything up here. It's, you, you mentioned the Mayflower. Everybody wants to think that there was some big religious movement going on and they were trying to escape their king and trying to, to, uh, and you, you said you read the Mayflower Compact, right? Yeah, correct. Because what they really did is they came here uh, because they had spent, uh, what, about 15 years in the Norwegian Islands, and then they came here because they wanted to set up a brand new environment, a brand new culture for their children, they, and they didn't want to have an outside influence on them. They wanted to bring them up in their own culture. They were still Brits, and if you read the I guess self says the agreement between the settlers at New Front of 1620. In the name in the name of God, amen. We whose names are underwritten, the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign Lord King James, by the grace of God, of Britain, France, and Ireland, King and, and Defender of the Faith. Their sovereign dread Lord King James. They yeah, I know, Lord. exactly. I, I know. And you know what? Um I wish that there was a way that we could send this call back to those guys that were writing the Mayflower Compact so they could rethink things because they were doing things, I think, in the right direction. They were doing things under the right of self-determination, but they still felt they needed to have some overlord on top of them. I don't, that, that part really, uh, I thought was kind of funny. I'll tell you another document if you haven't read it. Um, you ought to go read S.F. Austin's speech in, in 1836 uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, about what happened in, in uh, Texas. Because they want to talk about the Texas Republic and Texas was its own nation. If you read that document, you'll realize it's never its own nation, not ever. Yeah, Texas is still trying to be its own nation. Well, um anyway david we've been on for a while um and before i close this out why don't you mention to people uh where they can check out your info yet? i know you just brought up a new website and at the same time i want to say i planned on this being like an open discussion call this evening and everything and uh thanks mike from Ch chattanooga for coming on uh I Negative things 
getting seeped in in the beginning, and that's really not what this is supposed to be about. And unfortunately, uh, there's those that want to do that kind of stuff just to close down this kind of info, but it is what it is. So uh, before I close this out, David, why don't you let people know uh, where they can find your info out? And at the same time, I'll say people can just look up David Williams on YouTube. I actually have a playlist with a bunch of his stuff on my YouTube channel. If you go to Brian Parker, B-R-Y-A-N, uh, Tactical Sovereignty on YouTube, you'll find that. And uh, so, yeah, David, go ahead and let people well, the know. New website, the, the new website is matrixsolutionsnetwork.com, and it's $37 a month for membership. But I'm going to be doing a lot of, of other types of presentations. I'm debunking a lot of information. One of the things that I can tell you right now is going to be not just this thing on asylum I was talking about earlier, but every, if you think 9-11 was a bunch of spin and spin doctrine going on, this garbage that they Fukushima has never released radiation. Not since day one. I was in the new I was in the Navy Future Power Program. I know exactly how a reactor works. If you look at the official documentary, it actually says that every fail-safe system worked as exactly the way it was supposed to. And all 10 reactors all scrammed as soon as that earthquake hit. Well, that means that every reactor shut down immediately, which means they can't heat up. They can't melt down if they shut down. Uh, David, you know, actually, I remember um, following a bunch of information regarding what happened in Fukushima you know, and what people were told and what really did, what really didn't happen. Um, do you want to come on next week to discuss this? Because I know that yeah. you've got a you've got a background in that particular information. So I think that would really be a really good uh, broadcast for people to find out the details about how that stuff really works. Because I, I know that you are very familiar with how the whole nuclear bullshit operates, opposed to what everybody's told. You faded out again, David. Hello. Can you hear there me? you go. Okay. Yep. Uh, yeah, I was at a facility called D1G, and it's completely Navy. Uh, it's all Navy. Um, five nuclear reactors there, and all they ever do is they power the base, and they pump steam into the atmosphere because that's all the hot water is being done is just turning it into steam. Because if it being a government contract, they're not allowed to put that energy onto the grid. But it isn't, you know, and then we went from that, that was a training facility. We learned, I learned on how power plant operations are there. And then we went to, I went to submarine duty. Um, but the, the, the on-land facilities are no different than the, than the naval facilities. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And, and there, there was another professor I was watching a few weeks ago. Actually, I've seen him a few times. Where he was actually, um, I'm trying to think of what he was bringing around, it, radioactive rock or something like that. 
You know, you're saying, you know what? Supposedly, I'm supposed to die just from holding this. And he was laughing. He's like, you guys have all been freaking duped. Right. And so, yeah. No, um, how about coming on next week and really yeah. getting in to that specific topic? Because I'll do that. I think yeah, that was, I like his I like doing things like that because it's kind of like off the main off the main thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love getting off the main thing because the main thing for Ken, I, I've gotten bored of it now. <laughs> but this see these are the things that are scare tactics on everybody. You know, nuclear warfare and all this is used to scare everybody. And I think people really need to have a better comprehension as to what the reality of these things are. Uh, let's see, you're in Florida. Okay, let me give you right now. We'll go over here to radiationnetwork.com. We'll go down to Japan, see how many detectors. There's only one detector that's detecting anything right now, and it's at level nine. Uh, if I go back to look at the U.S., uh, right now Jacksonville is at 28. Daytona is around 25. They have different reporting facilities and or monitoring stations. About 50 of them in the U.S. Um, well, and, and I would recommend to people also, <clears throat> if you uh, go to your favorite search engine, look up 3D Climate Viewer. And on 3D Climate Viewer, you, gosh, you could spend a week there and not even get a small percentage of the knowledge that or information that's provided. Because it'll show you where different microwave stations are at. It'll show you nuclear stuff. It'll show you what's going on with the so-called climate change. Um, the guy that put this together just did an awesome, awesome job. And so uh, check out 3D Climate Viewer, and because it's really incredible all the knowledge that's there. This is interesting because I just uh, he's showing uh, he has an Earth model here, um, but I just slammed a whole bunch of uh, flat Earth people because it's like I told him I was like I don't care if they're flat around but why are you people having a lie because I was looking at a, a hot air balloon ride that went up to 20,000 feet and the people were videoing themselves inside the hot air balloon but in the background you could see the horizon was curved and somebody wrote down below and says why do they use a fisheye lens and I'm like that's not a fisheye lens you idiot <laughs> I said fisheye lens would have distorted their face fisheye lens is like looking through a keyhole in the, a peephole in the door it distorts everything, yeah. and uh, oh. it's just so. Anyway, I just I just noticed that right off the bat when I'm looking at this guy's. I just went to his website, whatever his categories are. Uh, I have to get more information about it. We got oh, we got all kinds of uh, naval research lab. Is this the one you're talking about? Are you still there? Damn this thing. You still there? Right.